0: You're listening to a podcast New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompa. Thank you, Frank. Yep, I'll be out there. Um, we're going to pray. We took a, a season <clears throat> uh, a month ago of 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we said it. We weren't just going to stop praying that week or that month. We were going to find other opportunities for us to engage in meaningful prayer, <clears throat> ministry. Uh, and so this is one of those, those things. And look, we understand that this is, is complex and complicated and that people have differing feelings and opinions about that. And some people say to me, well, why don't we just have a prayer meeting here for this issue? And well, we, we can do that and we will do that. Um, presence impacts things. I, I believe presence matters. Uh, this is definitely a biblical truth that we see all throughout scripture, that um, we, <clears throat> you know, we we lay our hands on people when we want to pray for them. We we approach the altar at times. We, we go to places to pray for and speak for um, the hurting and the broken. And so this is one of those opportunities that we have uh, very low pressure. It's a low barrier to entry. And if you want to join us Please come, and if you don't, pray for us uh, from where you are and where you do feel comfortable. And it will be—I believe God will will meet us in some powerful ways. Um, <clears throat> open up your Bibles, please, to Second Corinthians chapter four. We are going to be studying this passage of Scripture again. We've been in it for a few weeks now, looking at the Apostle Paul kind of zooming in on this this short section of Scripture where where Paul highlights for us some very specific troubles and conditions that we tend to find ourselves in. And so we're going to look at this once again and pull out, I believe, ways that we can process the craziness of life. That's the reality, man. In all of it, we need we need help for this for this world, for this life, and we need to do it well. So let's stand together as we read God's word. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed; perplexed, but not driven to despair; persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. This is the word of the Lord. God, use your word to change us, shape us, impact us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So I have... um, I think I I may have shared this with you at some point or another. I know about a year and a half ago I, I shared this with you, but we forget things, right? So <clears throat> I have I have a condition that for my life it's you know I've I've found it to be uh, pretty important and impacting and serious. Um, it is called Deuteronomy. Do you know what that is? called Deuteranomaly. Yes, I'm teaching you new things today. It is moderate colorblindness. It's moderate colorblindness. Okay, so it's not that serious. It's really not as, as serious as maybe I made it out to be, but it it definitely has impacted my life in some really interesting ways over the years. I have this like red-green deficiency, so I'm not like so this, this has been like the source of a lot of jokes for friends and for family, you know, only as, as only friends and family can do with your weaknesses. They they highlight it and exploit it. But um, th- this is it's not like I see in black and white, right? I I, I can see some color, but this uh, th- this I didn't figure this out uh, about myself until like my senior year in high school. I was. Um, working on getting military scholarships, working on academy appointments, things like that, and I had to do physical, and so one of the physical elements was an eye test, right? Uh, You go to the eye doctor, and so the eye doctor, all of a sudden, he pulls out this little book, and if you've been to the eye doctor, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but they pull out a little book, and it has a bunch of circles, and it looks like this, okay? Now... This circle has a number inside, right? I can see this number, right? It's the number 23. No, I'm just kidding. It's 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 12. Okay. And so I remember this very clearly. I was like, oh, this is easy, right? Then he pulled out another circle. And I went, I don't I don't see anything. (laughs) All I see is a bunch of dots. All I see is a bunch of circles. What are you showing me? And then he pulled out another circle. And I was like, well, if this is even worse than the one before, I don't I don't know what I'm supposed to see. I don't know if there's an airplane in there or what. Pulled out another circle. Like, okay, this is just going from bad to worse. I can't see anything in these. Who can see the number in there? Get out of here. You guys, you know what? There's no way to prove it. And I think you all are just messing with me. Um you're in church. You're not supposed to lie when you're in church. I can't I can't see the numbers. And when I found that out, like I just remember going, "Oh, <laughs> This makes so much sense, man. I remember middle school. I remember elementary school in art class. I remember in middle school, like, when you do geography or or history and you're following the trails of the explorers, and they're like, and follow the purple trail and the red trail and the green trail and the light blue trail and the dark blue trail. And I'm like, they all look the same. I don't know what you're talking about, like, And I just remember, I literally remember just having this, like, anxiety going, like, what's purple? Like, what, like, and honestly, I've had to learn, like, how to differentiate some certain colors at times. It has and has had an effect on my life. And it's funny to, you know, a lot of it is funny. And people, like I said, people make jokes about it. But it definitely has frustrated me over the years. It has confused me. Sometimes it's hard to see clearly, and we often don't even know why. We have trouble seeing clearly, and we often don't know why we have trouble seeing clearly. We, we find ourselves, all of us find ourselves, not seeing things clearly. Clearly. We think we see things clearly, that's for sure. We are very confident in our ability to see and to process information and think we know exactly what's happening when in reality, most of us are just doing the best we can and we, we sometimes see things very, very clearly and oftentimes we see things not so clearly. See, we're looking at the circle we're looking at the circle and we see uh, all these spots of color and think that that's all there is when in reality there's so much more going on there's 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 new life there's other life going on inside that we have no idea that we didn't know there was a number inside we didn't know that there's a letter inside we literally cannot see it and so it's not our fault at times like we we think we see clearly but something is wrong and we can't see what's going on and it's 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 blindness and it can be frustrating and we're so sure and we're like look I'm telling you it's like if I was telling you like that those last three circles I'm like look it's just a bunch of color spots and 90% of you are going no oh, man actually there's a lot more going on I'm like you are out of your mind you're lying. And you're like, Adam, so much more is going on in those circles. If you could only see it. See, and here, here's the thing, and this is something that can change our lives. This is the thing that will change all of us if we can, no pun intended, see it, grab a hold of it. See, we. <clears throat> the problem isn't the blindness. The problem is not acknowledging the blindness. The problem isn't the blindness. The problem is not acknowledging even the possibility of blindness. We think we're so sure that we see it and we see it clearly. But often we're blind. We're blinded. We all <clears throat> we all have the things in our lives that that handicap us a bit right that that weaken us make it harder to see the reality or distort how we see reality we have things in us and i'm not talking about <clears throat> excuse me can you pass Thanks, son. I know. She said she wasn't paying attention to me. <laughs> I know. Story of my life. <laughs> so it's not the, it's, it's, it's the, there are things in us, right? Not the physical issues, but there's anger in us. There's biases, there's experiences that shape us, prejudices that, that, that shape us, uh, expectations. And it filters the way that we see the world, and it changes at times the way, and, and it can start to create and cause blindness in us so that we don't see the way that we're supposed to see. We all, all of us have those issues, all of us. And the problem is we think that we're fine and and we're not. We don't even acknowledge the possibility that we might not be fine. And so what happens is we end up in all this confusion and trouble in the world that we're in. It leads to confusion, to doubt, to fear. Paul uses this word, we are perplexed. Do you feel perplexed? (laughs) <laughs> do you, that word, that word is not a word we use a lot, like, as much, probably. I, I don't like being perplexed, right? I mean, it, it does. It means confused. It means to be at a loss where you're just like, I, I don't know. I look at those circles and I go, I don't know. I'm at a loss. I, I, I don't know what you want me to do with these. I don't like that. See, I want answers. I want clarity. I don't want confusion, I, I wanna be able to see, I wanna be able to answer the questions, I wanna be able to make sense of the world, and we don't always get that, and we what we end up getting is a lot of co- a world full of confusion, and I just man, we are we are in that right now. Don't you feel that? Don't you see that? Confusion, perplexion. <laughs> We're perplexed. I think this may be the most confused and perplexed I've been in my life. I'm not super old, but I'm old enough to have seen a few things. And I just walk around daily, scrolling through news, scrolling through social media, just walking around, watching people, watching the world, and just going, man, this is is as hard as it's been. How can we live without knowing all the answers? That's the question I want to answer. How can we live this life if we don't have all the answers? If at times we cannot see things perfectly clearly, is there a way forward? Because I'll tell you this, a lot of what we're doing right now is not working. It's not bringing the, the resolutions we want. It's not bringing the life that we believe should be there. We, we, we start talking here today about life and about being, you know, this don't even like using the phrase pro-life because it's it's just been twisted and broken into so many pieces and used as a weapon. We just, we care for people. Our church, we have these values, right? We talk about it in terms of what matters. We say truth matters, worship matters. Third one, people matter. That's all people made in the image of God, made with the inherent dignity of the creator from the time of conception to the time of death. And so we don't want to... Wash over any portion of that life. And at the same time, we recognize how hard it is to address these issues. We have people in here who who are at the older end of the spectrum who feel marginalized. We have people who are in the middle of the spectrum who feel marginalized. We have people of different ethnicities and cultures and races who feel marginalized. We have children and unborn children who are marginalized. And you don't have a voice. And all along the way, there are people without voices that we say we want to stand with. And yet we can't do it all at the same time, and we will do it imperfectly every single time. But it doesn't mean that we stop trying. Paul helps us to understand how can we live in in this life of <clears throat> imperfection of confusion of perplexedness <laughs> see he's he's writing this letter to the corinthians right this church that was a mess this church was a mess he started the church he loved the church he built the church he left the church and then the church became a mess and he's looking back and looking at all the issues and writing to them and saying like ah Guys, we, we, need to, we need to get back to some basics here. We need to stop doing some of the things that we're doing. And one of the teachings, one of the things that started getting into the church was, if life gets hard, if bad things start happening to you, then that means God has left or God has not blessed any longer. and they even looked at Paul's life because he went through so many hard things and they said they looked at him and were like Paul so many crazy things are happening to you we think god's left you <laughs> you imagine you like start the church you you're just the you have all the authority of god on your side and you leave and they're like man Paul you you're having a tough day you're having tough times we we don't think god is really with you anymore so we're going to We're going to change things up. So he's writing back and he's saying, no, it's not like that. It's not just because bad things are happening doesn't mean that God has left. Actually, bad things are happening often as a proof that God is still working and God is doing something because he wants to rip us from the, the, the illusion that comfort in this life is what it's all about. All we have to do is look to Jesus and say, like, he came Into this broken world, lived a hard life full of affliction and trouble. And then finally, his life ends, his physical human life ends on the cross because of us. And he suffered every kind of injustice. And yet it was all with purpose to show that God is powerful and he works through the difficulties of life, the afflictions, the perplexions, the persecutions, the striking downs. When bad things happen to us, we're we're zooming in on this idea of being perplexed. When, When <clears throat> when difficult things happen to us, we become perplexed. We go through tough times, we become perplexed, right? It, it's, it's this word that, that means we're, we're in doubt. We start, to, we start to doubt things. We're confused to, to be at a loss, puzzled at things that you just don't understand, puzzled at things that aren't stable. We're puzzled right now. I don't like puzzles. I really don't. <clears throat> I don't like puzzles at all. Um, like people talk about, oh, hey, I got this great 6,000 piece puzzle I can't wait to jump into. I'm like, I, I can't wait to not be a friend anymore. Like, I don't even, know, don't even know what that means to like wanna do a puzzle. Um, if you like puzzles, it's great. <laughs> we, we, we need all kinds of people in this world but don't, you're coming to the wrong family. If you're coming, hey, would you guys like to do this? Pu-? No, no, we don't. Um, this is a puzzle. It's a form of a puzzle. Um, and this is like, this is a good example of what I don't like. Um, it's like every everything, all, all my weaknesses put in one because it's got colors on it, too. <laughs> and when, one time I was like, I'm going to solve this thing. And I I kept doing it, it took me weeks. And I was persistent, I was like looking at this, you know, they have like solutions manuals for this. My daughter makes fun of me when I use the term solutions manual, Um, answer key. They have, you know, they have how to do it. So I did it. I was like every day I was trying stuff. I'd mess it up, and then finally I did it once, and I was like, all right, I'll never do that again. But the Rubik's cube. I mean, this is this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about because I I don't like being perplexed. I I want answers. I want the colors to line up the way that they're supposed to. I want this to 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 make sense. I don't want to have to turn and twist and go through all this trouble to try to figure out how to make everything yellow and orange and whatever colors are on here. Um, White, (laughs) I know that one. Um, I want to solve the puzzle and I want to move on. I'm driven like I don't want to take. I want there to be answers. I want clarity. But we don't always get that, do we? We don't. We don't get it. We don't get it in the time that we want it. I want full agreement, not just with the colors on this, but I want full agreement with people. I want people to see as clearly as I think I see, and I want us to to understand each other, and I want us to get along, and I want everything to line up so that we're all moving in the same direction, believing the same things, seeing the same things in the same way, and that is you know, a way for me to think like, okay, that's how we're going to move forward. But that is just that that's not going to happen. That's never going to happen. And the question is, can we move forward together without having perfect agreement and perfect understanding of all the things? Because look, it's just not going to happen. It seems so simple we all feel like it's so simple. That's why we put these silly memes up on social media, you know, they these one-liners that seem to explain away the whole situation that has taken either hundreds of years to talk about or think about, or a complex situation like a pandemic or or social politics, or you know, whatever it is. And we we just, oh, if only this is, then everything like, No. It's crazy. But we want to get it out. Because we think it's gonna, something's gonna happen. And so we have to figure out how to not just disagree or not just agree more, but how to disagree better. And how to have a gospel understanding of the world and and life so that we can move forward in sometimes just not having all the answers and not really knowing if we'll ever get an answer to one thing or another. You see, When strange and difficult things happen to us, we get perplexed. And what happens is we start to disagree more and we start to disagree worse and we are polarized and we fight and we go through all this craziness to try to get our way when usually our way has very little to do with what God wants or who he is. It's just, it's an agenda, it's an ideology. And so we, we, we look at our world right now and all the issues that we're dealing with and we're just all over the map and so hard to find agreement on anything. And we don't understand. And what does that do to us when we experience this kind of confusion? What happens when we see the circles but we don't see the numbers inside? We, it, it leads us into places that we don't want to go. It leads us into anxiety, depression, Fear, isolation, doubt. It leads us into shame. See, we get to the end of our rope, and Paul says this he, he calls it despair. He says, We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Why would he put perplexed and despair together? Because that's what being perplexed does. Per- perplexed leads us. Confusion leads us to a place of despair. To not just be at a loss, but to be totally at a loss. Like to where it wipes you out. Those two words come from the same word. The Greek word, to uh, the word that we have for perplexed and then the word for despair. They're very similar. And it means, yeah, we are, per- we are at a loss, but we are not so far at a loss that it, that it wipes us out. It's like last week when we talked about afflicted but not crushed. Similar words again. It's the same here. And he does this over and over again. He's like, we are perplexed, but we, we are confused. But it's not going to lead us to a place of hopelessness. It's not going to lead us to a place where we are wiped out. Because we have a place to go with our confusion, with our perplexedness. There's hope. We don't need all the answers. We don't have to have it all figured out. See, Paul, Paul understood this. He, he wrote this earlier in 2 Corinthians. Look at what he says. He says, we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. Okay, this was a time previous in his life, right? We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but say this with me. God who raises the dead, he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we've set our hope that he will deliver us again. See, Paul went through affliction, trouble, perplexed situations where it didn't seem like there was any hope. And he was, it says he was burdened, and he says, I was driven, he says, I was driven to despair. Now he's learned since then, and he writes in our passage. Yes, we are going to be perplexed at times, but we will not be driven to despair. We will be confused, but not confused to the point where we lose all hope. This is so good for us because it shows the humanity in, in Paul. You know, this is a guy that, that had, in terms of his relationship with God, I mean, we would see that as pretty special, he had authority, he's writing the New Testament, he's writing scripture. I mean, he was he was the man, and he's saying, like even in all of that, I have been through so many hard things that I even felt like I was going to fall apart. I should encourage you. It encourages me because sometimes I just feel like I'm gonna fall apart. God wants us to see him as our hope. God delivered Paul. God will deliver us. We sang it today. Promises. You never let me down. And I, I know but there are many in here who feel like God has let them down. You feel like God has left you. You feel like you have been lost to despair. You have been crushed. You have been forsaken. You have been... That's why... I, I want to give you the only thing that I can. The only thing that we can stand on when we talk about God is our anchor. Do you understand? He, he anchors us into the ground. So when these waves come and the wind comes and wants to blow us over and make us feel like he has left us, he is anchoring us. And he's the only one that we can hold on to. Because, listen, the winds will come. It's not a matter of if you are godly enough, then you will be spared from the wind and the rain and the waves. No, no, no. It's that if God has you, if he has pursued you, he has saved you, you will be protected in the rain, in the storm, in the waves. That's our hope. And so, yeah, we live for him in ways believing that he is going to deliver us because he himself was delivered from the grave. That's why Paul connected it all to the resurrection. God will deliver you. He will fight for you in your affliction, in your confusion. But here's the thing, you you won't always get all the answers. Are you okay with that? And are you okay with not forcing everybody else to have all the answers, or to get to your answer? So this is what this this is meant to give us comfort. We say it each week. It's meant to give us comfort. That's what Paul says. Earlier in the chapter, he, he says God has given us himself so that we might be a comfort to one another. We might receive comfort and give comfort, to gain comfort and to give comfort. And, and that's, that's what he's calling us to do. That's why we are going out to pray for life. We're going to walk. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna tangibly display that the God of the universe is the God of comfort who heals us in our affliction that when we're confused and we don't know which way to go, that there are answers in Christ. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as, as we draw this to a close. You will not be free of perplexed living, or confusion. But God wants to bring hope and comfort to you in the confusion, to find comfort in the confusion. And so God is going to be doing something in your life as you process this, as you try to figure out and navigate life so that you might live an effective and godly calling not for your own joy, not for your own happiness, not for your own satisfaction, but so that you might give glory to him and to find effective life in this craziness. So this is what God is, I believe, wanting in you, from you, for you, to you. Okay, God is wanting you to be confident, to find confidence in the confusion. He's wanting you to to cultivate in the confusion and also to be careful in the confusion. Confident, cultivating, and careful. Here's what I mean as... As I see it in in Scripture, look, you may not have all the answers. You won't have all the answers and the things that are going on in life. But God does, and we can be confident in that. See, we see a God of the universe that knows everything, that sees everything. That is why we are here. right? We're, we're, we are not the center of the universe. He is the center of the universe. And so when all the craziness comes in this life, we can be confident. We can be sure he is with us that he is working even when it seems like everything's falling apart he is doing his work and so yes we are perplexed but we are not driven to despair we are perplexed but we're not left alone to figure it out paul was so confident not because he lived without suffering but because the suffering he experienced was pointing him to something greater that's the gospel message. Not that God won't not not that God won't give you more than you can handle. We talked about that last week. That's not the message of the gospel. We like to think of it. God won't give you more than you can handle. No, no. God, you will often have things that you cannot handle. Most times, you will not be able to handle it. God will never give you something He can't handle. That's the beauty of the gospel. It takes the focus off of ourselves and puts it back onto Him. And so, when all that confusion comes into our life, we go. I I can't do it, I can't handle it, but God, you can and you will. He will support and strengthen us through the confusions of life. See, this is such a help for all the things that we want to go to in anxiety, depression, fear, isolation, shame. This is the antidote to shame. We want to often just feel shame about the way we've lived. Often surrounding abortion, there's just so much shame put on a, a mother who has done this or a father who has allowed this to happen that we want that to be the complete opposite experience for anyone in here. If you have ever experienced an abortion either directly or through family members or some some method, we, we want you to know that there is life and there is hope and healing and forgiveness and that there is no condemnation in Christ. There is no shame. That's what Christ went to the cross to do—to remove that shame. And that's the message of hope and the gospel that we want to share. This is what Brene Brown. She's become like the, you know, the, the guru of, of shame. She says shame is is the most powerful master emotion. It's the fear that we're not good enough. I've shared pieces of this before. It's the fear that we're not good enough, man. Do you feel like you're not good enough? Here, here's the beauty. You're not. You're not. I'm not. God is good enough. Christ is good enough. He came, lived, died, rose from the grave so that. Can you put that quote back up for a second? I think some people are, want to see it. He lived, died, buried, rose, ascended. He was afflicted so you would never have to be. He was perplexed so you could live in peace and hope. That's the message of the gospel. That removes shame. And so when we fall and fail and we do terrible things against him, he he doesn't just say, oh, that's okay. No, he, he died on the cross for that so that we would have life. Put your faith and your hope, that confidence in not your ability to figure it out or handle it, but in the ability of the Lord Jesus Christ to do it and take it. This changes everything. It changes your ability to heal, to forgive, to move forward in life. He is good enough. That's where our confidence comes from. He also wants us to cultivate in the middle of the perplexion of the confusion, to cultivate is a word we love here. It's part of our mission. We we cultivate genuine growth in this world, in this life. And so cultivation means to grow. It takes time, it takes learning, it takes trust and faith. And so confusion actually, the, the confusion of life actually teaches us how to, to move forward. It teaches us, it helps us to grow. See, once I learned that I was colorblind or had these issues, it just changed everything. And and again, this is not to be funny, like my eyes were opened. I, I now know about limitations that I have. I know about weaknesses that I have. It changed me. I know that I couldn't see things as clearly as I wanted to, as I thought I could. That's what the gospel does. It shows all of us, we all don't see clearly enough. And so this should help us to cultivate different kinds of growth and life in this world with people. So we're not just just yelling at each other. You could yell at me all you want to see those numbers in those circles. I won't see it. Like, Adam, Adam, look at the number 13. See it, you dummy. Or whatever term you want to use to describe my inability to see we do that with one another and God is just, he wants it to stop cultivate in the middle of the confusion cultivate life it should lead us to humility more humility more graciousness more mercy more love that's cultivation that's growth he tells us not don't be driven to despair so the question is what are you going to be driven to Don't drive to despair, but don't drive to arrogance, self-righteousness. Be driven to Christ and the cross and humility. And know that our sufferings, just like Paul tells us in Romans 5, our sufferings are producing good things in us. Endurance, character, and hope. it should lead us to 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 be more careful and what i mean by careful in the confusion is to be full of care full of care for other people right this is this is the antidote also to us just trying to beat into other people the way that we want them to think but to have care and hope in us that says i don't have to change you in order for us to to fully understand each other to fully move forward i can be loving i can be gracious i can be merciful we we don't want to add to the perplexed nature of our of this world we don't want to add to confusion we want to be ambassadors. We want to be agents of what? Of wholeness, of clarity. Point people to the Lord. Don't point them to you or to some other institution. Don't lead others to evil. You want to be someone who doesn't add to confusion? Be a person of your word. If you say yes, make it happen. If you say you're going to do something, be somewhere. Do that. Be that. help others see clearly Yelling at them is often always usually <laughs> it's the wrong way to go It's only going to add to the confusion and drive them to despair And I feel like we see we're seeing that more and more right now Recognize that you have blind spots and that there is a need for healing and for an expansion of our own ability to see church let's stand together god you are you are faithful you are good we need you be our anchor show us where we're anchoring in the wrong things show us how we are we are finding hope and peace in other ideologies, in other institutions. God, show us where we are rooting ourselves to the problem rather than the solution. Help us to find comfort in the confusion, to not be driven to despair, but to find life and hope in you. For those who have never put their faith in you, Lord, today, let, let it be the day. This is an opportunity for anyone in this room who has not accepted Christ as their Savior to, to go to him and say, I, I, I've been living a life of shame. I've been living a life of fear, anxiety, depression, guilt, all of it. God, would you help me? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you take all of my shame and give me the gospel? Give me you, Help us, Lord. All it takes, my friends, is just a simple declaration with your mouth to say, Lord Jesus, save me. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you can forgive my sins. Become the Lord of my life. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's sing together.